Praise the Lord. This is Brother Julius Adewe. We are going through the Gospel of Luke. We are now in chapter 7. And I can go through this teaching where we read and pause and give some comments. From chapter 7 of Luke, verse 1. Now, when he had ended all his sayings, that was the Sermon on the Mountain, when he had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant who was there unto him was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this. For he loveth our nation, and he has built us a synagogue. Now this story was repeated either in Mark or in Matthew, that this centurion in the other places, they just said the centurion came and asked Jesus Christ to come. And Jesus Christ said, I will come. And he said, well, you don't need to come. Just speak the word. The same story. This time, Luke said he actually didn't come. He sent elders of the Jews. Well, he was a Gentile, a Roman soldier. But he believed he was already following their Judaism and was helping them. He helped them build a synagogue by financial provision. That's why they say he built us a synagogue in that town. Because he believed in the, in the God of history. So he also knew that, well, the Messiah is a great, is a great king. So he, he sent these elders because he said he's only talking to the Jews. But I told, so elders of Jews so they can speak for him. And you help come and heal his servant. So they were trying to promote this centurion before Jesus and say, he's worthy for whom you should do this. For he loveth our nation. He has built us a synagogue. Verse 6 says, and Jesus went with them. When he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying, unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worried that thou should enter in, under my roof. Wherefore neither thought I myself worried to come unto thee. But say in a word, my servant shall be healed. For I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers. And I say unto one, go, and he goeth. And to another, come, and he cometh. Unto my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When the man was saying, I know what authority means, he has watched from a distance how this rabbi called Jesus was doing this miracle. That he was commanding the spirits and they were obeying him, almost like a soldier. And he himself being a soldier and a captain, he knew what he commanded those soldiers to be. So he said, hmm, this is authority in another world. He's talking to these spirits. So that's how he recognized that this is authority. He said, they are obeying him. Just like these soldiers obey me when I command. So that was the same principle, principle you got to understand that this is authority. It's another world out there. And this man is law, authority on the other side. So he said, well, I don't even need to come, just speak, just like I speak here, and they do it. I don't need to go there. Your servants will obey you. That's what he was saying, because he has watched from a distance. And Jesus Christ heard these things, verse 9. He marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. So, no, not in Israel. This is what faith is. Believing in the power that Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ is almighty. And when he spoke, all spirits obeyed. 
All spirits obey. Satan has to obey. When Jesus Christ speaks, he is the Lord of all. And he has given us the same authority. We have to believe it. And when we speak, Satan must obey. And I'm commanding Satan to obey and be gone in the name of Jesus Christ. Because we are, we are, we are, we are, we are in Christ Jesus and at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow. And that is the same thing this man is using to, to say, you don't need to come, just speak the word and my servant shall be made up. Verse 10 of Luke chapter 7. And they that was sent, returning to the house, found the servant old that had been sick. The Lord Jesus Christ just turned back and the man was sick just like that because the centurion believed. Verse 11. And it came to pass the day after that he went to a city called Nain. Many of his disciples went with him and much people. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And much people of the city was with her. Now this story I've preached many times because the Lord Jesus Christ showed compassion upon this woman and Moses was, he was led to that city for that purpose. So there was nothing else that was reported that he did in that city called Nain. As he was coming to this gate, the uh, procession carrying this dead corpse out and the whole city was almost following that woman. That was a widow and that was her only son. Died. So the whole city would have tried their best and the boy still died. But there comes the Messiah, the perfect man. And he saw what was going on and he had compassion upon this woman. That's what happened. Let's read it. And when the Lord saw her, verse 13, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the beer. And they that bear him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. And he delivered him to his mother. And there came a fear on all. And they glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen up among us. And that God has visited his people. And that God has visited his people. And this, this rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea and throughout all the region round about. Verse 18. And the disciples of John showed him of all these things. And John, that John the Baptist, calling unto him two of his disciples, sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? Now, you in this story here, Luke didn't tell us where is John the Baptist right now? But in the other chapter, we know by this time, John the Baptist was already arrested and imprisoned by Herod. Maybe he was having the opinion that the Messiah is already here. The Messiah will come and do something to rescue him from this imprisonment of Herod. And look like the judge didn't do anything about it. And then all he was hearing was miracles and signs and wonder that he was doing, that Jesus Christ was doing. So he sent two of his servants or his disciples that always go there to visit John the Baptist in prison. They called two of them and said, let's go ask him what is he going to do about this palace, what he had in mind. So he said it this way, Are thou he that should come or look we for another? That looked like doubting also. And in that same hour, Jesus Christ cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits and unto many that were blind he gave sight. Then Jesus answered and said unto them, Go your way and tell John what things ye have seen and heard. How that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. To the poor the gospel is preached. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. The Lord said, 
you are blessed if you are not offended in me. That is, this is all I'm doing. You didn't come and do this that you are expecting. People have a, their expectation. The same way the Jews have their expectation. When the Messiah comes, this is what they are expecting to do. And the Lord Jesus didn't fulfill that. That's why they didn't accept it. They expect him to come, come and drive away the Romans because they misinterpret all the prophecies. And they have been really thinking when the Messiah comes, their bondages to the Roman Empire will be over. But see, Christ came to save mankind from their sin first. But they were thinking he was coming to save the nation Israel from being ruled by the Roman Empire. So they have their expectations. And that's why Christ said, Blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Your expectation is not made by what you are expecting. Seeing the Lord do, they make you to begin to get offense and say, maybe it's not the Messiah. And that was what uh, is the, what you can read between the line what is going on by John the Baptist here. The Lord says, hey, Lord send this disciple and all these disciples of John the Baptist and say, go and tell him what you see. The miracles. The deliverances. That's all you should tell him. That's what he's here to do. Verse 24. When the messengers of John were departed, he began to speak unto the people concerning John. What went he out into the wilderness for to see? A reed shaking with the wind. That's like, uh, is John now shaking because of the situation, circumstances? Verse 25. But what went he out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment. Behold, they which are gorgeously apparel and live delicately are in king's courts. Or maybe he has been uh, invited by Herod to, to become sitting on the, on the chair with him in soft raiment. I don't think so. But what went he out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, I am much more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. For I say unto you, among those that are born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Just saying, that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And if the kingdom of God, the Lord Jesus Christ is setting up, this least person will be greater than the anointing that come upon John the Baptist. And in another place, John the Baptist came with the anointing of Elijah. That's why we say the least in the kingdom of God will be greater than Elijah the prophet. So that's the minimum. Like uh, this is the requirement. But you know, does that mean we should have sense and wonder? No, John the Baptist didn't have any sense and wonder, but he stood firm. Confessing before kings what he preached. It cost him his life, and that's why Christ said that you must have to lay down life. That's the minimum in the kingdom of God. That's why he said the least is just like that, greater than John the Baptist. Verse 29. And all the people that heard him and the publicans justified God, being baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves, being not baptized of him. I mean, when they heard that, they were now saying, well, they are glad they, will, they believe John the Baptist. Verse 31. And the Lord said, Where run touch then shall I liken the men of this generation? And toward are they like? They are like unto Sheeran sitting in the marketplace, calling one to another and saying, We have piped unto you, and ye have not danced. We have mourned to you, and you have not wept. But John the Baptist came, neither eating bread nor drinking wine. And ye say, He has a devil. The Son of Man, that's himself, is come, eating and drinking. And ye say, Oh, behold, a glutinous man. And a wine bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of all our children. That is, don't judge people by what they, their, their lifestyle as if they are, that's because you have your expectation. John the Baptist came 
not eating with anybody, not drinking with anybody, almost like a wild person from the jungle, fasting all the time, and the the well-to-do Pharisees think, well, this is not, they think it's the devil, devil, devil possessed. But the people that are not uh, religious are following to believe. Now Christ came and was eating and drinking with all the people and going to the publicans and preaching to them. And he said, well, this one is, is this one a prophet? Look at how they are eating and drinking and even eating with publicans, sinners and so on. A prophet shouldn't be like that. So what is their expectation of a prophet? This one come wild, they say, you see, they will come friendly, they think he's a, he's, a, he's a sinner. So you see, that's all in their imagination, their expectation. They assume this is how a prophet should be. See? But say, you say, wisdom is justified of all our children. The wisdom of God sent different types of prophets. Elijah, the prophet in his day, they say he was wild, hairy man, and they couldn't know where he lives. He just appeared and, and pronounced doom upon the king, and they were looking for him and ran away and so on and so forth. That was a prophet. That's how he imagined. That's how a prophet should be, separate from everybody. Now here comes Elisha the prophet. He was friendly with everybody and the kings loved him. The kings were coming to him and he was ministering to kings and he had signs and wonder. So that's like a friend to the kings. Why this one is like enemy to kings? They say they are all sent by the same God. So that's why logically they don't judge by, they want to be like a prophet like John the Baptist or a prophet like Elijah the prophet on the mountain. Come down just say whoa, whoa and come back and hide on the mountain. That's what people think. That's a prophet indeed. Christ said, it doesn't have to be like that. There's another one that comes eating and drinking and but still living the life of Christ. And they say, well, this one is, is a one beaver. So that's why Christ was saying, but wisdom, the wisdom of God is justified by actually, he sends different types of something to people. If they can't listen to this, maybe they will listen to this one. If they can't listen to this, maybe they will listen to this one. That's what God uses, the wisdom of God. Remember the Lord gave the parable and said, I will send my only because so maybe they will reference him. The Jews that are persecuted and killed all the prophets, they see how well, this one is really the, the owner of the kingdom. Let's kill him so that we can seize on his kingdom. See? That's the same type of parable we are talking here. Just send this one, they don't like it. Send it in another one of different fashion, they don't like it. What do they like? They don't like anything that God sent. That's really what their problem. Verse 36. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. Now look at they call this woman a sinner, which means the people know him to know how to be a sinner. What can a woman be a sinner? Perhaps she had a mortal, no? A brother where people are committing adultery for the kitchen and she was the mother of all those ladies who are doing that. And this man knew that that was her business. He would classify her as a sinner also if she is prostitute. That's what people classify. I don't think she was killing people with witchcraft. If they have, if she had that also, they would classify her as a sinner also. But for a woman in the city to be classified as a sinner, she must be trading in that kind of a thing, brothel, mortals, for adultery, uh, prostitution. That's why the religious people classify her as a sinner. Also. So when they say this woman was a sinner, she must have been in that kind of business that the old men knew how to be that. But she came to this Pharisee's house. How come she was able to enter? Most likely the Pharisee was related. 
won't be she they were related to one another. Because it could be a Pharisee and your, your, your cousin over there could be the one. But she is not afraid to come to the Pharisee because she's a cousin. They could be related like that. That how come she was bold enough to even come to the Pharisee's house when Jesus Christ was there? But he brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping. So why well, we call no like the spirit got hold of the woman. But the, the way the people sat down there, we couldn't understand it. Maybe they were actually sitting on the floor like this. As some movies have tried to portray it like a, on the mat and not like a table like this. Why can you sit on the table and somebody is weeping and the, and the tear is coming onto your foot? It looks like it doesn't make sense to us. No, sir. But you see, that was because we were thinking of our generation, where a table is like this, where people eat. No, sir. But see, in their generation, maybe they only have no table, maybe they just have a mat on the floor. And you sit like this with your legs on the floor. And if the woman there, the tightest can be falling on your feet. That is more reasonable the way it was portrayed here that the woman was stood at his feet behind him, behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears. How is that possible? Because if they sit on the floor and they roll their foot on the back like this, and the woman there, the tears can easily come on the feet among how much if she bend down. So that was what was described here, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with her hair, long hair, also the same way. We that are in the African world, we don't have long hair like some of these Europeans, that sometimes their hair can be as touching almost to their, to their bottom from the hair. So if they bend down, the hair can touch the floor. So then she could just grab that hair, she doesn't care, she just uses it to rub off all the tears. But to us, that of you can use your hair to brush somebody's <laughs> feet. No, it was a long year that we are not accustomed to, that they have in the, in the European world that have a long flowing hair. That was what was described here, that she used her hair to wipe the feet off and kiss his feet and enter them with the ointment because of all the sorrow that was going through her heart. Now verse 39, when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if you are a prophet, you would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touched him, for she is a sinner. Yeah. For the Pharisee to be saying in his heart that, Doesn't he know who this woman is? A sinner? I don't even think anyone that's not a sinner will even do what the woman was doing. I mean, regular women won't come and be weeping and cry for repentance. Verse 40, and Jesus answered and said unto him, look, read what he was, what he was thinking in his mind. Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, see on, see on. There was a certain creditor, said the Lord Jesus Christ, which are two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me therefore, which of them will love him most? Someone answered, I suppose that he to whom he forgive most, he said to him, Thou hast really rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Say thou this woman, I enter into thy house, thou givest me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou givest me no kiss. But this woman, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. Wow, that's, you say, well, somebody kissing somebody's feet must be humble, no, sir. My hair with oil thou did not anoint. 
But this woman has anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, our sins, which are many, and this man is already known about it, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? Say unto the woman, Thy faith has saved thee, go in peace. Thy faith has saved thee, go in peace. That will be the end of chapter 7. And the Lord bless the heart, he went to her heart. Say, it's, a, it's our faith. The faith of that woman, believing that this is the Messiah, the only way of him are not going to hell is to cry unto this Messiah. He believed that. We say, well, you mean uh, sinners like prostitutes who still have that kind of faith? Faith doesn't have to do with what they are doing. Doesn't have to do with what type of business they are doing. Some people, like the rich, that the thief on the cross. That man confessed he was a thief. Told the other person, why are you yelling at this man? This man has done anything wrong. Say, we are guilty. Was confessing that he was guilty. But that doesn't stop him from believing that this man that says he's the Messiah, people are saying maybe he's the Messiah, he's the Messiah. So he cried to him, remember me. And he knew that they are going somewhere. They are going to die. All of them are going to die. What happened on the other side? The other one don't believe. Maybe he doesn't believe there's anything after, after life. But this thief on the cross believed that there's something after life. He didn't want to go to the, to the poor side where they're going to be on, on fire. If this Messiah is the Messiah indeed, he save us from the fire. That's why I say, remember me when you go in, come into your kingdom. And like Jesus Christ said, didn't say, well, you have to repent and go back and live and don't be a stiff anymore. No. Today, we will be with me. So faith is saving us. Faith is saving us. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, we will be with me in paradise. That man was saved. Why the other one will go to hell? Why? And suffering after being nailed to the tree, you want to go and suffer in paradise, in hell. Why the thief that was asking for mercy will be in paradise at peace? Even though he was a thief or not, he has, he has repented. Faith can make, can make you repent. And that is what happened to that woman. The woman's faith, believing that this is the Messiah, she knew she had been doing all this bad stuff. But our opportunity to get, not to go to hell, to get to heaven, is to crown to this Messiah to save her because she didn't know why she had been doing this bad stuff. That's why God is justifying us, all of us feel, if you come to Christ. God said, well, it's, it's the devil that's doing those things through us. Whatever we have been doing before we come to Christ. It is. We are justified, means that God put all those faults upon the devil. The devil did it. And say, now you've come to me, you are justified, just come and let me change your heart and you begin to live right. That was why we have been justified really by the Lord Jesus Christ, by his blood on the cross. Believe and you shall be saved. God bless you. Even this is the end of chapter 7. We continue chapter 8 next time. Amen.